This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you one of our favorite interviews from the week. This week, we're catching up with Joe Lonsdale. We caught him on a very timely day, the day that Palantir, the company he co-founded when he was 21 years old, went public on the New York Stock Exchange. That's right. They've been working on this for 17 years. The stock, which went public via a direct listing on the New York Stock Exchange, it was up about 31%, Jason, in its first day of trading. Joe Mann, we have gone to him several times. This is a company he co-founded with tech billionaire Peter Thiel. But it's interesting. We love to talk to him about what they're doing in terms of data mining, but also where tech is going in the future. It's one of those companies that, you know, it, it, it had a really strong last few years. It, it, it probably wasn't ready to be a public company, you know, 10, 10 years ago. Maybe it could have gone out in 14 or 15, but, I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad it waited because it's been such a strong last few years. It's really come into its own and it's a great time for it to be out. You're 38. I just sent Jason a message. I'm like, he's 38. He started this when he was 21. And this yeah. isn't your first time at the uh, rodeo. I mean, like, this it's pretty amazing. Um, data and the use of data. We have more than we've ever thought, and there's more coming. And it can just be a data dump, or it can be data put to use. And I do think about, especially, Joe, in light of the pandemic, like, how do you guys at Palantir think about it and how data can help us with some of these really big problems facing us, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's climate change, whether it's inequalities? You know, you know there's, this man, there's this concept from computer science from the 1960s called man-machine symbiosis. And the idea is there's things that people are better at and there's things that computers are better at. And the question is how you augment people, how you, how you let people still do what they're the best at while the computer's augmenting them. And in order to do that, when you have data from everywhere, you have to bring that data together and you have to put it into an environment where, where it's, it's in a form that's how a person is thinking about the data and the less people delve into it intuitively and, and then collaborate around the data intuitively. So you're really creating these information environments. And you're right, for all these hard problems, you need these information environments. You need to access that. If all that data was in your brain, it can't possibly be. You've got to do the next best thing and expose it the right way altogether, which is a very hard technology problem. Yeah. So, well, have you solved it? <laughs> we done? Well, well, you know, Palantir, Palantir is, is, is used by, by you know, a lot of governments and a lot of the biggest corporations around the world to solve their hardest problems. It's Palantir. You know, when the, when the pandemic struck, you know, over 35 countries turned to Palantir to immediately create for them a common operating picture that brought data together from hundreds of sources and did it securely in a way that protected civil liberties, protected, you know, privacy. So you only see what you're allowed to see but then expose that data so leaders can make decisions. And, you know, I don't think all of us agree with every decision every leader's made, but it was striking that in some countries, it was Palantir they they turned to 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 give them that information so they could make decisions. So, Joe, you you went exactly where I wanted to go next, which was, you know, work with governments and and work with the private sector. Um, There has been, and you know this better than I do, controversy around um, this notion of data and its use in surveillance, quote unquote, at least that's how it's been uh, positioned. Help us understand, sort of strip out all the, you know, rhetoric and everything around that and help us understand, are there misconceptions out there around what Palantir does and how it's used by governments? Of course. You know, one of the things I like is that if you're not doing anything important, there's probably not going to be anybody angry with you. And, you know, in, 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 in this case, what you have 
is when, before we started Palantir, we watched, looked at the government, and they had spent tens of billions of dollars a year gathering data, and they had all sorts of these giant IT services projects that were failed. And we said, can we build a single product, a single platform, that rather than have to build all these IT services one off and take years and take hundreds of millions of billions of dollars, can we do something that would work out of the box to do this well, securing the data well, enforcing the policy? And we actually you know, built Palantir in a way to go above and beyond. Not only is it the greatest privacy engine in the world, but it has full auditorial. So it automatically watches watchers. Anyone involved could see how people are using the data. The, the, the fear we had is that if you didn't have something like Palantir, then in responding you know, to terrorism, this was 17 years ago, so that was what was on our mind. In responding to that, you could actually become more like your enemy. That's what happens in, in, in warfare. You become more like your enemy. In this case, it would have meant transforming our society unacceptably and giving up liberties that we didn't want to have to give up. And so the, the idea is, is that you can have a system in place that makes sure it's enforcing the rules and make sure whatever the policy is, that's, that's, that's what's going to be allowed. And, you know, I don't always agree with what the policy is in the U.S. or allied countries, but, uh, but, I, but I, I do agree that it's a good thing to help America use the data it's allowed to use and, and to enforce the policies we have. So when it comes to something like TikTok, then it sounds like you're pretty clear that maybe the U.S. is right in terms of having concerns about that type of a company. You, you, you know, I, it's been told to me very clearly more than a decade ago and from my other work in technology that I was not welcome in China, that the Chinese government was not going to allow big data platforms uh, of any sort that are not owned by Chinese to operate and dominate there. Uh, they're definitely not going to allow media platforms. They're definitely censoring that. So if, if they're censoring us, like giving them, giving the CCP access to tens of millions of Americans uncensored to sway them however the CCP wants, I, I can see why geopolitically that would be a, a bad situation to be in. I want to talk more about mm-hmm. Silicon Valley and maybe as a way to get there, what does this listing and this sort of catalytic moment or this latest moment of the journey of Palantir, what does that tell us about Silicon Valley today, the role of technology today, here in 2020? Because I got to tell you, man, it's a funky time right now. It is a, it is, it is a strange time we're living in. And you know, if you think, what does it tell us about what's going on? Well, technology is a part of the world that's working. And it's a part of the world there's a lot of confidence. Uh, a lot more than when we saw on TV last night. <laughs> it's, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a part of the world where, where, where you actually see growth. You actually see optimistic version, vision of the future of what's possible. And, and, and that's, you know, that's why it's being valued as highly as it is in a lot of areas right now. Well, when you look at some of the big macro trends that are going on in technology, obviously big data, as evidenced by Palantir, is something you're obviously really into. But what else do you find kind of interesting, whether it is, you know, autonomous vehicles, whether it's space exploration, um, or whether it's green technology that's going to figure out a way to, you know, protect our environment? What else is it that you find is really kind of interesting on, our, on your radar and that you think, Joe, is going to be a bigger part of our world as well as our economy going forward and our tech sure. world potentially? Well- you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of these trends. The trend that really Palantir epitomizes is the fact that we have a lot more information than we ever had before, but the only way we're going to use that information well is to make it accessible and understandable to people. So what, what, what the, the, the trend Palantir is about, and a lot of other companies are involved in it as well, is these, is these industries and these parts of the world only work right when we make sure that people are only see the data they're allowed to see, but that they see it and understand it, and they can bring it together from lots of sources, and they can act on it to make these industries work better, and that's that's true for talking about healthcare and making healthcare mm. more efficient. And, you know, there's so much stuff we could do, I think, to make healthcare cost half as much while delivering better results. And, you know, some of those things are things we have to do policy-wise, of course, and, and, and get rid of cronyism and get rid of special interests. But a lot of those things are, are technology problems. We need to get in there 
and we need to solve. And, and this is, you know, this, there's a lot of things in that area. I mean, I am personally optimistic about a lot of other areas. Well, if you want me to name one more, it might sound crazy, but I think Elon's right about the tunnels. I think tunnels could save us you know, trillions of dollars for our economy in terms of being making all the cities accessible and you can live really cheaply nearby them. I think there's all sorts of cool things like that. So there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff we could do, but the, the data theme is what Palantir was about today. Well, let me ask you something coming on the heels of the debate. And we know um, your other co-founder, Peter Thiel, has been a backer of President Trump and Donald Trump specifically. When you think about politics, when you think about the parties, does it matter to you who's in office, whether it's on a regulatory front or whether it's on someone who has the vision to think about kind of where we need to go as a nation? Because if you look around the world, I mean, I know what you said about China, you know, not necessarily wanting you guys in there or, or you when you were starting out, you know, whether it was a data company or so on. But, I mean, they definitely have a long-term mission when it comes to high-tech at this time. And I just do wonder when, how you think about politics with all of yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, I really, I really wish there were a lot more computer scientists in Congress. I think we have mm. way too many lawyers relative to, to the proportion of our population and, and, and not nearly enough engineers. And I think one, one advantage China has over us is there's a lot more engineers uh, you know, running that country. I, I wouldn't want our country to be run like China. I'd prefer to live in a republic and a democracy. But, but yeah, I think we need to elect people who understand information, understand how to build the future, who are part of building the future. And, and you definitely don't see that from either party very much right now. And so, Joe, as you go out and, and look at investing in new companies, obviously, you know, you sort of carry the the lessons of Palantir, you know, over this long period of time that, that you've been involved and, and, you know, your adult life has been spent associated with this company. What's the big lesson that you impart, whether you're talking to a founder, whether you're talking to a team of engineers from this specific company, which has by all means been successful and, and again, another mark of success today, but what's, what's the lesson you impart from it? You know, I think there's, 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 there's two really important lessons you have to take from this. One is, you know, I was at PayPal, and when I was at PayPal before Palantir, we saw a lot of our peers starting companies, right? Our peers started LinkedIn and Yelp and YouTube and Elon did SpaceX and Tesla. All these people came from PayPal. There's 15 of them. And, it, and the lesson we learned that we really apply to Palantir is the ones that work really have very top engineering cultures. It's not just like you want good engineers. You actually want the best engineers in the world, and you want them to feel like it's their company and they're running it with you. So, so one is, is, is all about focusing on being very top engineering culture and with engineers helping run the business. Two, I would say, is you have to have a mission-driven culture. You have to have a company where people are really proud of what they're doing, where they wake up thinking about it, they go to sleep thinking about it, because this is an important company, and, and they've helped shape its values, they've helped shape its principles, and, and, it, and it means a lot to them. And I think if you have both of those, you have a really good head start as a technology company. Such cool stuff. What do you do to like inspire your younger generation? Just got about 40 seconds here because you've got to think about that, right? Our future workforce. And we, I'm, we, I'm a daughter of an engineer. Jason is a son of an engineer. You know, we kind of grew up where there are lots of engineers everywhere, but it doesn't feel always that way today. We, we, we have to, you know, we just had our third daughter. We have a newborn here at home. So I have three little girls and I would love it if they, if they get excited about math and science and engineering, or obviously you're going to support them, whatever they do. But it's, you know, it's one, it's one of those things where I think people have to understand there's an optimistic version of the future, an optimistic vision of the future. There's so much cynicism right now. There's so many people who, who love to be, you know, just to take a dystopian view of the world. And I think we need to teach people, here's the amazing way the world can look, and here's how the world is going to look if we embrace optimism, embrace technology and innovation and what's possible.
And that was Joe Lonsdale, Palantir co-founder. Uh, I think one of the things we loved about him is he said, world needs more engineers. Fewer <laughs> lawyers, more engineers. And as children of engineers, I think we can go along with that. Yeah, we're definitely in agreement with that. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio. That airs Monday through Friday, starting at 2 p.m. Wall Street time over on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.